welcome back to another episode of the Balcony Chatter Podcast. I am your host, Andrew McKenney, with my co-host, Tim Taylor, as always. And today, we are here to preview the Boston Bruins' upcoming season. So, we decided to bring in, uh, I'll say, we're bringing in the big guns today for this episode. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, we are joined by a guest today that you may know from Nesson, or you may know him as one of the hosts of the Morning Brew Podcast. And I figured who better to help us preview the season today than Billy Jaffe. So, Billy, thank you for joining us. Uh, I am I am honored to be here. Uh, I really haven't worked that much lately. So if I screw this up, just understand that it's my training camp, too. Uh, <laughs> it's fun to be on. And uh, I didn't realize that Tim Taylor, who recruited me to Yale, uh, geez, 1986, is, is here as well. I was I had a wonderful experience. Although at the end, I didn't get into Yale. I, I don't know if I missed it by a few points on my SAT or just the fact that I wasn't good enough hockey for them at that time. But I did. I loved Yale. Tim Taylor was a wonderful guy, too. So it's fun to, to have Timmy on here as well. Tim, how could you do that, man? Tim, you didn't let him in? You know, Billy, I pulled out all the stops for you. And at the end of the day, the <laughs> Ivy League is as they are, and which is full of themselves. And it was nothing against you. <laughs> I, I got to tell you something. I had a great time. I saw a different side of the Ivy League when I took a recruiting trip there. I'll tell you that much. Um, had just an outstanding time. But, uh, yes, I I would say that, um, you know, Michigan still was a, a nice fallback school when it was all said and done. Well, that's that's great to hear because that's something that I, that we actually wanted to kind of ask you about. It's, it's, it's a pretty good starting point where, you know, I, the Internet's good for a lot of things and it's also bad for a lot of things. And research is one of those things where it's typically good. But – after doing some digging, you know, there's not a lot of information out there about how you sort of got into um, what you're doing now. Obviously, I know that you've you've bounced around a little uh-huh. bit with uh, the the Islanders, with the thra- the Thrashers. Not to be confused with the ever popular right now Trashers, uh, but now they were kind of trashy at times <laughs> in Atlanta too. So don't don't you know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say there's. There's still a little synergy there. But yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Go ahead. So I just kind of, if you can give us a little bit of a history lesson on where you started. I know you played a little bit of hockey in college, and then from there, how you got into what you know what you're currently doing. Yeah, it, it's it's really a long, drawn out, boring story. So I, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give the real short version. Okay. Uh, it's still too long, but I'm gonna give it. Um, yeah, played at Michigan a couple of years. Also was a CCHA referee, linesman, fell, got myself into uh, officiating right away. I, I fell into that. I was given an opportunity by the league uh, when my playing days at Michigan were done. Um, and uh, I enjoyed that, but I didn't love it. The reason I bring that up is, is that that kept me involved in the game in front of some people and also people that – uh, knew that I had played, knew that I was still officiating, that were involved with the Blackhawks organization. And they knew that I was, I, I became friendly with this gentleman. His name's Jim, Fitz, Jim Fitzgerald. Uh, he, he has since passed away. Who um, I became friends with all these guys at the health club where I worked out at. I was the youngest kid. I was like 28 or not even, probably 26 years old at the time, working out at 5.30 in the morning with all these guys who I thought were old between 40 and, you know, 50 years old. And meanwhile, now I'm 52. Um, and I became kind of like the little brother. And I promise you, this is the short version. They, anyway, so Jim said, look, we need an, uh, somebody to fill in or take over on the radio side uh, for our pregame intermission postgame analyst. And I know you've played and I know that you love hockey and I know that you, I think you'd be great at this. And uh, I know that you're still playing some other stuff, too. And I said, sure, what the hell? Long story short, again, fast forward the end of the summer. I actually got an opportunity from the station director and general manager to meet with them. And I guess it went well because they said, would you like to go to the first preseason game and sit through it, watch it? I said, sure. And then I met my partner to be and I was on the air the next game. And that was it. That's how I fell into broadcasting with the Chicago Blackhawks, doing their pregame intermission post-game, you know, pre-game intermission post, uh, once-a-week coaches show, and I got uh, established with that organization, and then I started doing 
TV games that year, too, for the Chicago Wolves and Fox Sports in Detroit, where I played college hockey at Michigan, and they asked me if I would do a few fill-in games. Next year, I got a whole package of 20-something TV games with Fox. The Chicago Wolves used me much more full-time, still did some Blackhawks stuff, and then the rest is in history. But it, it, it led to another year later, I got an opportunity to go to Atlanta with the Thrashers for a couple of years, and then I got an opportunity to go to the island for MSG Network. Uh, I did a lot of national stuff versus NHL Network, which I still do a fair amount of now, Sportsnet in Canada, et cetera. Uh, and then the Bruins opportunity came along in the 2011-12 season. That's so awesome. can I ask you? Can I ask you this because I, I'm just a fan. I never, unfortunately, got to play hockey as a kid. It's always been my favorite sport. But did playing and then you know obviously being a fan of the sport did that make broadcasting and all of that come sort of naturally to you? Like I, I know that I couldn't personally do it right now. I would never. I would fail terribly. No, I mean you know playing helped significantly. Yeah, um, yeah. there's no question about it. But but. But, Andrew, just because you're, you know, some of the best players make the worst broadcasters right. or the worst coaches. We still see that. Because they don't know, yeah, well, they don't know how, you know, to translate that. They, they're right. unbelievable physically and mentally in the moment. But yeah. to translate that to the people, to the listeners, the audience, the viewers, is something that I, I've always been a good bullshitter. I've always been a good, I've always been very verbal, very comfortable talking to people from the age of two. Like, seriously, my parents tell me stories about how I just talk to everybody. Uh, I never thought I'd go into broadcasting. I wasn't in broadcasting until I was actually 28 or 29. You know, I had done one or two games on radio, like Michigan or whatever, but I had never been a, I never thought about being a broadcaster. Sure. I think the fact that I played, yes, it helped, no question. But I think the fact that I just, I also studied the game. I studied, like, meaning I, 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 I would think about it and I'd be like, why did that work? Why didn't that work? You know, what did we do here? What didn't we do there? Um, and I think that that maybe ended up being uh, just a, a, a subconscious or a, a subtle little thing that actually ended up paying off big time for me. I'm uh, I'm envious of your 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 falling into of that, um, Billy. Because personally, I uh, I always wanted to be in your shoes, uh, or mo mostly I wanted to be I wanted to color commentate. Uh, ideally, I'm I'm more the basketball end of our wonderful balcony chatter podcast here. But when I was in high school, I got to color commentate the high school football games, and for me, it was like I'd played Pop Warner with all these kids, and it was me and this algebra teacher. Uh, shout out to Tony Penta of Derry, <laughs> New Hampshire, um, and we would just call the games. Now I, I've I've realized uh, that 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 mostly former players were the people who ended up, ended up in those positions. But I got so far as to I job shadowed uh, WHDH's Joe Amorosino a few times. And like, really, I'm, I'm obsessed with that world. But I'm I'm glad that fate found you because I mean, you're you're wonderful to watch. I actually live out in Los Angeles trying to be a screenwriter now, and I you bet I still got Nesson going on my television way over here. Well, we appreciate that. Unfortunately, you don't count in the ratings points because you're out of market. <laughs> but otherwise, we do appreciate. I mean, listen, it's been a it's been an absolute blast for me. But I'm not going to tell you that it's funny. It's it there. There have been some people lately, and it's never the coaches or the general managers or anything that you know. It's it's people for opportunities out there. It's funny. I had a ton of opportunities for a while, and and look, I'm still in a wonderful position. I love, I love doing Bruins games. I do. I love it. I love doing the Bruins games with Nesson, etc. But there have been some other things too where it's just kind of like, well, you know, you didn't play in the NHL, and I always say, no shit. I never said that I did. Yeah. I never said that I did, but I'll take I'll take the analysis part of it to a different level, and also I'll you know I've always prided myself on being a part of the community. I, I love doing things like hockey school schools, hockey camps, the youth stuff, and everything. Um, and I try and do a, it, it to me. That's about that's that's hockey love. That's growing the game, and that's what I love. So it's funny, you know. Like, look, I I've, I've been able to carve out. Uh, what I have found with what I feel has been a very, uh, I, I hope, successful career, and I hope people have, have enjoyed it. Look, not, you're never going to be, people are, not everybody's going to like you. That's just the way it is in this mm -hmm. business. But I hope a lot more people do than don't. 
And I hope that it can go on for a, a while. But it definitely, it's funny, as more and more former players have started to get into the game, it's been it's it's been different. Some uh, different opportunity have or have not opened up for me that they that for some reason they did in the past. Yeah, I mean the two the both of us, Tim and I, have watched sports our entire lives, and we've seen our fair share of commentators and whatnot that we don't like. And I think that it's pretty safe to say that you know the both of us are huge fans, and and we agree with you. Hopefully, you you're on there for you know years to come because. Uh, you know what you're going to get when we watch the pregame or when we watch the you know intermission reports and all that stuff. We know somebody that is going to know what they're talking about, and it actually gives us a reason to watch the pregame or the the intermission, all of those reports and stuff. Because otherwise, we could go do something else at that time, or you know, whatever. Go well, we walk away from the TV. We, we all all of us at Neston appreciate that. I work with some tremendous people from production to my, my partners in crime on the air who uh, are all very, very good friends of, well, of mine, but of each other. Um, we laugh a ton. We do both on and off the air. Um, I think we do some pretty good stuff. Sometimes, you know, we challenge each other in ways here and there. We disagree with each other, which is awesome. That's the way it yeah. should be. Yeah. And, you know, l- listen, I, I've, I've had a saying since I, after I fell in the business when I was, you know, 29. And, and that, so I've been in it now. I'm going on my, I think it's my 23rd year now in business and doing this. Um, if I'm not having fun doing what I'm doing, then shame on me. Because holy shit, my job's nothing. Yeah. It really is nothing. I mean, it's a respite for everybody watching, right? I mean, you're watching because you love the Bruins. Right. That's, that's why. So if I'm not having fun, now granted, it can be tough when the team isn't good. And trust me, I, I, I watch my bad share of Atlanta Thrasher and New York Islander <laughs> hockey trust me on that one. But, you know, you, uh, you know, if you're not having fun doing what you're doing and when you're younger, you worry about pleasing everybody. And then you realize you're never going to please everybody. So you just do the best you can do. So you're, I, I, I pride myself on my preparedness, you know, my knowledge of, what both teams have done recently on my ability to pull things up that I, you know, my job entails me just reading sometimes, just reading, talking to people, texting. So being as prepared as possible is a huge thing for me. But again, shame on me if I'm not having fun doing what I do for a living. Well, if you're not, you're fooling everybody because you do a great job with it. So absolutely. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to switch gears here a little bit. I know you said you, you're kind of doing your, uh, training camp, but so are the Bruins, and w- there's obviously there's a lot to talk about. So again, like I said at the beginning of this episode, who better to come in than sort of someone who works for Nesson, who's kind of an expert on the team, you know, for the most part during the season, to give your opinion and your takes on a lot of the stuff that's going on because, you know, this is a whole new look from last year, and uh, there's there's just a ton of things to cover. And also, you know, as far as Andrew and I are concerned, you know, we're just two idiots who love the team. You know, this is exactly the reason this is called balcony chatter, because it's the shit you would hear up in the balconies of TD Garden, which isn't necessarily expertise at, at all. Um, so it's, it's nice well, to be, be graced with your presence. Beers, you know, well, I, we, I'm happy to do it for a bit. Here. I, I'm, I'm sure if you enjoy a, a cold beverage, I'm sure that the analysis gets better yes. and more <laughs> uh, succinct after a while in the balcony. Can too, confirm sure. that. Can absolutely confirm that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah. So happy to talk. Where do you want to go with the team? It is a whole different look. It's, it's a, 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 a changing of the, uh, hopefully not the culture, but of the leadership it is, um, it's traumatic. It is, it's traumatic. And I think for however long we talk here, you're going to hear me say a bit, probably more than once or twice, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to get. Okay. And I know that kind of sounds like lame analysis, but I'm not sure what we're going to get yet out yeah. of this team. Yeah, but we, we'd you appreciate know, the like honesty it, over it, the hot it, take. So that's, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it, it's a, uh, it's a, Boy, oh boy, there's a lot of change and there's a lot of moving parts. And I look at it and I say, fellas, I like some of it. I also say, where does everybody fit? Where do all the pieces fit when it's all said and done? And then I say, 
do they have enough of one or two things, two things in particular, to really make it when it's all said and done? I guess so. That's where I'm at. That's a very general synopsis. My first question, I guess, would be then: Who are you most excited about in terms of new guys that have brought, that are in here now? Uh, got a few guys. I'll, yeah, I'll uh, take them well, all. Yeah. I mean, look. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited. It's hard. It, 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 I'm, I'm curious to see what uh, Eric Howla does for this team. I, you know, where is he? Is he the fifty-something point guy he was a couple of years ago, or is he twenty-point guy? So is he a third or a fourth line guy? But he brings speed. He brings a lot of pace. He brings a lot of confidence. Um, you know. Is he, you know, is he when it's all said and done, you know, are you better off forming a line and moving like a guy like Sudnika to the right or Coyle to the right? You know, I know everybody wants to see Coyle succeed as a second line center, but what happens there if it's not as much? I, I mean, do you, do you pair him with Howla, who he knows from Minnesota? Um, I'm a big fan of Nick Felino's. I'm curious to see what Nick does. He's going to add an incredible class and respect factor to this team, which already has, you know, it oozes it with, with Patrice Bergeron, right? Like right. the greatest of the greatest of, in that regard yeah. in the league right now. Um, so is it, it's, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, also how much Nick's got left in the tank, but he's, I, I think he is a potentially very versatile, good third liner for them. I guess when it's all said and done, I'm, I'm, I'm as I go through the list in my head, I mean, Forbert, boy, oh boy, I mean, I'm, I like having a six three six four defenseman uh, on there. They, I, th- th- that's an area where I think they need more. There's no question more addressing is their D crew, especially if they want to have success in the playoffs. I think they need to get stronger back there. They, they, you know, it's just been beat up the last couple of playoff seasons in the first, second round, right? Yeah. And they haven't been able to have that wherewithal back there. And then Ulmark, you know, I guess – so really thinking about your first question, and I should just stop talking eventually, but Ulmark, most excited? I mean, here you got a guy, right? The big unknown. 917 save percentage in Buffalo. Right. Um, what's he going to do with Boston? Look, I talked to Jack Eichel a few weeks ago. I saw Jack, and Jack's like, yeah, guy was damn right our best player. Nine, he said, you like a 917 save percentage playing for the Sabres? Like, you know, he was admitting – he knew how challenged that team was and he's like he was damn good he's a great goalie so i'm excited to see if that can translate to an nth degree higher with the Bruins. yeah i think i think you nailed it on that one because there were two huge question marks for me going into this season knowing the off season and what had happened where with tuca being at the moment not currently on the roster and Krejci being gone so the two question marks the biggest ones are what's happening with that second line center and then what happens with the goaltending situation and they cleared up the goalie situation for the time being obviously getting a a stud of a goaltender back there I mean who knows what he's going to do but you know we expect him Mm -hmm. to do big things and then you have a great backup if they continue to, to roll with Swayman as the backup and you know that's a good goalie competition right there. Yeah, let's um, forget, or maybe not forget's not the right term. Let's also analyze something about Ulmark, too. Linus Ulmark, I've got to get my correct pronunciation down. Uh, um, he's never played more, I, is it 37 games in a season, I believe? Um, that's the most he's played. So now, you know, you're talking about potential backup with Swayman. And I get what the term that you're using, but, you know, is Ulmark going to be able to play more than 50 games? Right. You know, he's never right. done it before. Is he going to be physically able to? So now let's just say he gets to 45 to 50 games. That means that Swayman plays 32. That's a pretty good backup number right there. That's almost a 1A, 1B. Not totally, but almost. Right. But the good news is this. Tukarask is healing quickly. He's healing well. And... I believe he will be ready to come back sooner than later, which I think is important if you if you are the Bruins and if you do take him back. 
because you don't want him lingering with an injury and then bringing him back and then trying to get him up to speed in March and then into April. You want him playing, you know, training hard in January so then he can start playing. And even though Feb is a, uh, what you call month, Olympic break. Yeah. But point is this, if you can get him back sooner than later, if capital I, capital F, that's what the Bruins decide, then you can always move Swain into the minors and say, look, kid, you got 20 games here in the NHL and you've been awesome. But go go it down to uh you know Tuka will back up here for a bit. You go down there and star down there, and then next season it's you know you're the guy along with Omar or whatever. You don't have to promise, man. You know what I mean? Right. They just got to manage it the right way. I think I actually think in goaltending they're in a good spot now. Well, I need to ask you this because you bring up Tuka Rask. How do they make that work? I mean, we we all know what their current cap situation is right now, and unless Tuca is taking the biggest discount I've ever seen in my entire life, how do they make that work to bring him back and be able to, to, to make that work, you know? Well, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Okay. With regard to that, he will take a disc, he will take a prorated contract to come back to play and it will be minimal. It, it just will be, it will have, it will have to, to fit into what they need to do. Okay. Tuke has made it clear, I, you know, he made it clear that he would he would come back and be cheap uh, to play to be around. You know, I, I, I it's just that it, it has to happen that way, and they because they have to keep themselves some wiggle room. To, now we're also making the big assumption they haven't made any moves between now and then. That's the other thing. Too, whenever that then is, right? You know, that Tuka is able to be re-signed. Let's not forget they can make other moves, other players to the minors, uh, other trades. So that's a big unknown. But as we sit here today and, and chat here on your show, it, the obvious answer is it's going to be a very low deal, very small deal for Tuka Rask this year coming back. Okay. I mean, I think that's kind of what Tuka had said himself when they asked him about that. He said, I'm not here to chase the money. Um, you know, I've done everything I need to do in my career, and this is where I want to be. So, you know, it makes makes perfect sense that he would take a discount and stay and you know try to win that cup again or or for him i suppose try to win it as a starter right of course but if he if if tuka was healthy not coming off you know a a, a six-month procedure and a you know and and coming in i mean even though look i'm i'm a fan of tuka i i I hear from some people that say all along how could you like i i I just am i think he's a hell of a goalie Okay. Sure. Yeah. I just do. That's my. This is we're, my. We're fans anyway, over here as well. But but he's, but he's coming off a, a year where you know the Bruins didn't get past you know they didn't get as far as they'd like, and and he's injured. So he's no dummy. He understands, and he's coming back for a few months, and then maybe he says after those few months. I mean, we, none of us have the old hockey crystal crystal puck. I like to call it, you know. If he's great, well, they can come back for another year. And if it doesn't end so well, maybe he says, look, I showed I could come back. I'm going to go out on my terms, and that's what I'm going to do. Maybe that's part of it, too. Billy, you uh, you spoke highly earlier of, of Patrice Bergeron, um, and you, you also mentioned how you don't fully understand what this team is going to look like. But for for me and Andrew and, and the belief of this podcast, one thing we're in tandem with is that this is this is get another cup while Patrice Bergeron is still playing hockey time. And we are in the home stretch of that. In your opinion, do you think, uh, you know, regardless of how you feel these moves will work, but do you feel that Sweeney did act that way this offseason and did make those cuts? Because it certainly seemed like this was one of the more active offseasons that I've noticed in the last 10 years. Uh, I would say that, yes, that Don did that. And I would say, you know, he's – I, I actually think he probably wanted to do more, especially with the whole Krejci yeah. scenario. Right. And then I, I still – as much as he got Forbert, as much as I, – I, like, you know, Derek Forbert to me, solid acquisition. The kind of guys that they need. No question about it. But they need more. They need another guy that can, you know, another another guy. If you remember the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final and their big four, you know, Weber, uh, Petrie, Edmondson, and Sherratt, I think the smallest was was uh, Petrie at 6'1", 6'2", 
200 or whatever. I mean, you know, you had those other guys that were 6'3", 220, all of them, and they could play, you know, Boku minutes. And, you know, and they're physical. You know, Weber's physical, Schrott's physical, Edmondson's physical. You need at least two of those guys in the back end. And I think they still need that factor. So, but with all that said, yeah, I do think Donnie acted that way and, and, and said, look, our, our fourth line needs to have more size and, and our, we need to have better depth up front. I do think he was hoping that Krejci came back for one more year. It's a big hole now. It's a big hole in so many ways, guys. It's, it's just, you know, I mean, it, it's, you know, people talk about well his points, but let's also not forget he was right there behind Patrice Bergeron from a defensive center as an outlet guy, as a passer as a carrier of the puck into the ozone on the power play when it needed to be settled, all those things add up. It's not just his actual points that they're going to miss. I totally agree with you, especially because I think that David Krejci hasn't gotten the credit that he deserves for a lot of his time in Boston, I would say, especially after 2011. You know, obviously everybody loved Krejci then, and he was, we like to, you know, everyone likes to call him playoff Krejci at that time. And, and, they don't realize that he's been so consistent and he's put up all these points, and it's not just about what happens on the ice. You know, they lose the leadership with Chara, of course, and then losing Krejci after that. I mean, they keep going down in in veteran presence as far as, I mean, we lost Miller too, which, again, isn't that... Huge. It's it's a huge... huge locker room loss and also physical loss. I mean, I about that back end. You were just saying, I personally feel like they've a lot every time that they lose a tough player, they never replace it. You know, Chara was gone and, and I'll even go further back than that. McQuaid was gone and now Miller. And yeah, like you, you had mentioned, they went up a little bit with a bigger player, but we don't really seem to have that grit in that thing that everybody bullies us out of the playoffs. And quite literally, the Blues bullied us out of a Stanley Cup in 2019. Well, because Kevin Miller was hurt too, right? Yep. You know, and and that was a huge loss right there. There's there's no question. Um, and you know, it's hard to say that they would have won the game seven for sure if, if he was there. But I sure feel like saying I'm almost positive they would have won that game. <laughs> you know, I I feel that way. That's how important. Um. That he is so. No, your 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 point is valid. It's one that the ability to handle the physical wherewithal of the playoffs, especially from the back end on the back end, is my big concern for this team. That's that that's it. I mean, of course, you know the second line, etc. Uh, you know, I I think that look, I think that this team still battles for playoff spot. You know. I don't know if you wanted to get into this or not, so I'm, I'm, I'm leading you there. You can tell me to shut up if you want, but, you know, are they better than Tampa? Are they better than Florida? Florida, I think, will be pretty damn good this year. You know, I mean, I, I think they're going to be real good. So those are the, you know, they're going to have, you know, a lot of tough battles on their hands with those two teams right there. What happens with Montreal now? We don't know about Carey Price. Evidently, he's a little better, but, you know, Weber's out. What's going to happen to that team? But then, yes, you've got Toronto. Toronto's still going to be a hell of a team to battle in the regular season. I don't see them any better for the playoffs. Their whole goaltending thing and whatever, I, I still don't get it, okay, up there. But they're still going to be, in the regular season, tough. Then you, for, you got Detroit and Ottawa. But mind you, mark my words here, Ottawa will be a tough out team this year. They will be. They just will be. Um, and then Buffalo, whatever. Buffalo relegated very much to the American League right now. <laughs> but, but, you know... But you've got you've got so if you take Tampa, Florida, Toronto, right there, that's three teams. Right. That's three teams that could all be ahead of them, or you know, you, anybody can make the argument that the Bruins aren't better than right now. Let's wait and see what happens. Let's see how things play out. I think they are good enough though to still battle for playoff spots. I, I I do. You have Patrice. You have Brad. David. Um, Charlie, Carlo, uh, curious again about excited about Umar, curious about Swayman, who I'm a big fan of. Taylor Hall, I think they've got a, a Taylor Hall, right? That's going to be well. Yeah, I know he's a, he's a new guy, but he's not the new guy. But right. what happens there? Does Craig Smith get 25 playing with a guy like Hall? Who no, but they're still good enough. But it's going to be a battle, I think, this year. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean. The, the teams that are that are good didn't 
necessarily get worse. So it, it's not like it's going to be any easier. And I believe that, you know, I, I think I said this to Tim weeks ago, you know, when the first, when the Krejci thing first happened, I was very high on this team. I was very excited before we knew that Krejci was gone. If Krejci was still on this team with all of the pieces that they added, yeah, we we would have a lot of guys that we aren't sure if they're going to be a healthy scratch because we have so many, um, you know, capable players. But now that Krejci's gone, it leaves that huge hole. It has the the question mark of who slots in there. And it made me feel like we took a step backwards, not necessarily step backwards from where we were last year, but from being the team that we could have been with him on this, you know, on this Bruins team. It feels like a larger mm-hmm. game of musical chairs, really. Yeah, well, the analogy that I made or the description many, many months ago now after free agency, I'm going to take it that you guys aren't parents. You're, you're, you're young. Your lives are in front of you. But you're, when you're a parent of young children, they make these concoctions sometimes. And they're like, hey, mom, hey, dad, try this, right? And it's got like sometimes eight different things from the freezer <laughs> in it or whatever. And, uh, or whatever, you know, they're pretending they're cooking and, and, you know, you appease them and you try it. And sometimes you're like, oh, you know, like, oh, that's great, hon. And, you know, it's so good. And then there's other times you take a bite of it. Believe me, every once in a while you're like, oh, that doesn't look great, you know, but your daughter made it. So you're going to try it, right? And you're like, pretty good. That's pretty good. You know, the cake that she baked is pretty darn good. <laughs> I just feel like this is the concoction that I do think Bruce and his staff are going to have a lot of different options, which I do like. Um, I just think that it's going to take a lot of different options to figure out where they're at. I, look, I look at a couple of players. I look at a couple of players that are key to this team um, in no particular order, but uh, uh, for their, for their, their, their keenness. Um, Charlie Coyle, come back healthy which he should be in a week, 10 days. Um, is he really able to be 50-plus point Charlie's second-line center? Can they get him to that? Can he get himself to that? Because um, if he does, then, you know, he doesn't have to be 70-point crate. He can be a 50-point guy, which I think he's only eclipsed once in his career, maybe twice. Um, and then that means that Hall and Smith should be going. The other big guy up front that I'm curious about is Jacob Brown. I Where think we all at? are. Yeah. And so if Jake gets going, if he gets going, and I would be the first person to pom-pom my way to a Jake DeBrus success story. Um, but then, then you're talking about, okay, um, all right, now you're back to that three-line conundrum for the opponent of, wait, oh, so Jabruska's scoring. Um, you know, we've got a guy like Felino on the other side who's battling and Haula and, and you know, Stadnika, maybe. Uh, but I, I think that I think Coyle and DeBrusque are gigantic up front for the Bruins. On the back end, um, you know, I, McAvoy is McAvoy. He's the beast of the group for them. He is absolutely uh, the beast. He's, you know, he's just one of the top young dominant defensemen in the NHL. But now I'm going to look to, you know, the others and, and I'm going to say, you know, what, what, what does, you know, it, what, what does Mike Riley become now that he's signed that three year deal? You know, can he play 20? You got to have him play 20 plus minutes a game, though. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's where that's where you're at. And so I look at a guy like that. I want to see Carlo, you know, continue to rise. But I, I look at those two guys up front as, as real keys to this team. So, you know, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time here, but I do have a couple other things that I really want to ask you about because um, I think that they're, you know, they're things that I am very curious about. And I'll start with this one. Have you... Have you been hearing all of this about Jack Stanika showing up to training camp and completely blowing away all of the expectations of the the coaches and all that? Maybe not the expectations. They were um, surprised about his offseason, you know, his working at his workouts and his putting on this weight and this muscle. And a lot of people are very high on him right now and thinking that he might steal that, maybe steal that second line center spot or at least find himself a spot on this team. Uh, Knowing him as a player or, or you know, getting some reports on him, how do you feel about that? Do you think that there's a possibility there? Well, I, I've only seen him play a little. 
live. You know, I didn't make it out to Providence times and everything, but um, I trust the words of, you know, I've talked to Jay Leach about him, the former head honcho in Providence. Um, talked to Butchie about him too. Um, and Butchie, I thought, put it best. It's like, you know, Jack doesn't need to be a second line center. He just needs to be Jack. And does that mean that he ends up filling that second line role because he plays like Jack versus putting the pressure on him to be what's considered the number two. So that's maybe this, maybe that's his Butch. That's Bruce's way of just trying to keep things tempered. He looks physically damn right. He looks, he looks great, but he's in that kind of prime growing time. Like I remember when I, you know, from the age of, I mean, physically I, I, I grew just strength wise a ton when I got to Michigan from the 18 to 20 year old. But really when I filled out as a, as a young man, it was at 23 to 25, 26 years old, really thick like that. So Jack is just entering, just barely entering that, that, that or age group for himself. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if you brought up the term surprised. I don't think they're surprised. I think they're impressed, but a lot of kids finally, you know, when they start growing, they come back, one year, 10 pounds heavier because all of a sudden they're a year older, more mature and their body can handle it. Um, he is definitely in the, in the eyes of Jay Leach, I can tell you this, having talked to Leach, you know, he definitely thinks he's got top six potential. Um, he is really a good worker. Uh, both, you know, guys that I've spoken with or many, a few guys I've spoken with, and, and, and this would be my analysis too, is he's got to be heavier on the puck. And maybe being physically heavier will help him be on the puck more, uh, hold on to it more, um, take the hit to make not make the play, but take the hit and hold on to the puck more type of thing. That's definitely going to be a big factor uh, in his game. He can definitely skate, and I know he's a wonderful kid, and he's got a great work ethic. Those are all great. When it's all said and done, though, I think the physical part of the game, and just then thinking the game at that high level speed is going to be the big challenge for him. Look, you know what? If he can, when, when I say, if he could take the second line role early on, having a great camp, that would be just a win-win for this team. It'd be a win-win for the team and a win-win for him. Give him confidence, give the team confidence. He can play there, but then you don't have to say, well, we have to force him to play there. He earned it. And now maybe that allows Coyle to get healthier. It allows other options to become an opportunity for Bruce Cassidy and his staff. And it allows for the Bruins in theory to become a better, deeper team, because now you've seen a kid be able to handle a certain role, maybe not for a whole year, but at least in spurts here and there. Yeah. I think that putting on that extra weight and, and it goes a long way with being heavier on the puck and all of that. We saw it kind of firsthand with when David Pasternak put on a lot of weight and muscle it was night and day. I mean, I know we're talking different skill levels, of course, potentially, you know, 50-goal scorer and mm-hmm. all of that. But, I mean, it really went a long way when he came in to a season after a year where he wasn't as big, and it, it, it really changed his game a lot, and it turned him into sort of the player that he is now. I think it maybe it gave him that additional confidence that he needed to kind of use that, you know? Yeah, no question. I lived it with Johnny Tavares, too, when I was with the Islanders MSG Network. I saw John come in, and I'll grant he was the number one overall pick, special talent, et cetera. But about the first year, now, granted, he was only 18 turning 19, so Jack's about two years older or so, but he was falling every time he got hit. He was being bumped off the puck, and then the second year, all right, it was a little better. By the third, fourth year, it was, okay, now he's filled out. And now he is able to handle the wherewithal that, that comes with having the puck on his stick a lot. So I'm hoping by Jack putting the weight on um, that he will be able to handle the puck more in traffic, on the wall, in areas where he needs to. Um, I know we had another one for you, Billy. Um, say I, I, I don't know whether to ask what, what what would you do here or what do you think will happen, so I'm going to do both. But who's getting the A this year? Um, wouldn't surprise me if it's moved between Carlo and Charlie McAvoy. Um, That's sort of what I was thinking. You, know, that, you get you – get, 
the defensemen involved, and you get two young guys who one who just signed a six-year deal, and one who I hope will sign an eight-year deal soon. Um, and so you get those two guys involved. It's hard not to look to guys uh, like a Charlie Coyle, uh, like a Nick Foligno, but Foligno just coming over. I don't even know if you need to give him one because he's going to lead by example anyways, and just let him play and whatever. He's going to be a natural captain or one of the leadership crew, you know, Yeah. naturally. Um, if you're going with just one more, meaning just if you're going to go with one captain and two A's, I think I could see them splitting it. Maybe you do one at home and one on the road. You know, we've seen that before too. I remember we had Bacchus, he wore it and Krejci wore it and uh, Kevin Miller wore it a bit. You know what I, if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. Um, so I, I could see Carlo and McAvoy splitting it. I could. I think that's a great choice only because, you know, it gives both of those guys confidence. It gives them the, you know, they, they know that the team believes in them. Obviously, Carlo wore it for, I believe, the Tahoe game. And then yep. uh, maybe once or twice after that, I'm not entirely sure. But, uh, you know, I know it gives them the confidence. He said, you know, it's something that he'll never forget, just giving, being given the opportunity to wear that. And that's that's a big stage, too, I mean, for, for those guys to play and, and him get the ability to have that. Um, so, yeah, I think that those yep. are two guys that are really – deserving of it if you were to ask me because McAvoy is the future and so is Carlo clearly with him signing a big monster deal like that um, and hopefully uh, McAvoy does the same but we all know that it's going to be more money than that yeah exactly yeah he's going to be in the nine for sure yeah so real quick I don't you don't need to give me too much on this but are you at all surprised that Zdeno Chara is still playing hockey um, no, uh, because of where he signed, I'm not, no, I, I thought he might retire. Uh, I know how passionate he is about the game. I know how much he loves the challenge. I know that he had the fire burning in him still after last season in Washington. If he had signed with the, I'm going to make it, I don't know, a team that, that isn't in the running that won't like they will put him in a good spot to succeed on the island. They will. Yeah. And and you know, he doesn't have to you know, Pelic Pulak are gonna shut down. You know, those are the big boys up there and, and then they got the Dobson kids. So maybe they put Dobson and, and Chara together. That helps, you know, keep the maturation process for, for uh Dobson going. I mean, Dobson's like 6'4", Char's 6'9". That's going to be, a, if, if they are a pair, that's just a freaking gigantic D pair. Um, now, you know, I mean, Z's, we all know he's, he's limited more now in everything. Yeah. Um, so let's, you know, see how he is. But I think the, the respect that he has for Lou Lamarillo and Lou has for him and Barry Trott, um, I think that because he signed with that type of team, no, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I I feel like I'm in the same boat as you. You know, I could have seen him retiring had it not worked out with a team close to home or with you know a team that would be willing to give him you know a good opportunity. But uh, we all know that, and I mean this in the best way possible. He's he's like an absolute freak athlete in the gym, and he's probably in better shape than you know most of the you know the world at this point at his age. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not surprised by that at all. And, you know, I it's I don't want to have to play against him. I wish he was in a, on a team that was somewhere else or had retired because as a Bruins fan, obviously, I, I, I love Chara and I um, I wish him the best, but that just makes that team even tougher. Yeah, I think so, too. I do. I mean, does it put him over the top? Who knows? They're a good team. They're hard to play against. You know what they are? They know what they are. They don't try and be something they aren't. Right. They don't. They don't try and fake it. So, you know. I got a ton of respect for Barry. Just a huge amount of, you know, the way that Barry gets through to players. It's, it's, it's real impressive. Completely changed the dynamic of that team over there just by getting him. But, um, yep. so overall, with all these question marks and all of this stuff up in the air, I know this might be a tough question, but I figured I, I, I wanted to ask, where do you see this Bruins team ending up? 
Are they a playoff team? Are they a, a, a bubble team? I or? see them battling. I see them battling for the playoffs. I think that it's, uh, uh, I, I think they're going to be one of the teams that's going to be in, in the, in the battle for one of the lower spots. You know, I, I think if, if, Tampa and Florida remain healthy. I think that they'll end up being a, above the Bruins. Um, so could the Bruins finish in third? Well, remember now they've gone back to division, right? Not right. these other. So now it's the top eight teams per conference. But what? It, just as a reminder your, to your listeners, so it's the top three teams automatically are in for per division, right? For the Atlantic and the uh, Metropolitan. Jesus, I forgot it for a second, right? Um, it's training camp. And then, exactly. And, and then after that, you could have five teams from one division. Remember, if the, if the number four and five team have more points. So, so let's just play it out. If you go over to the uh, metropolitan division and in no particular order you say well the islanders are in carolina's in is uh where you know what do we think about a team like philly they i, I actually like some of their defensive moves but their goaltending is going to be quite interesting yeah um but okay philly will battle uh the rangers will be better i'm not convinced they're a playoff team just yet Washington should still be a playoff team. So let's assume you got four teams that you know are in from there. Now, if the Bruins don't end up in third in the Atlantic, let's just pretend that Toronto does. Do the Bruins have more points than the fifth place team in the Metropolitan Division? That's where it ends up being four and four. Or if they don't, it ends up being five from one and three from another. Um, I think that they're going to be one of those teams that are going to battle for the six or seven, eight spot to make the playoffs. And it's a lame ass answer, but a lot of that comes down to health. Always. Yeah. And you know, exactly. It's the same type, the same answer, but I'm, I'm going to say they still find a way to make the playoffs. I just think they have too much. I don't think Donnie Sweeney is done. Um, but you know, we could have the same conversation eight months from now. And if they didn't get a second line center presence, if they didn't get a guy on the third line, like a DeBrus, step up if if the guys didn't if their older players their mid-30s up didn't stay healthy and their defense got physically worn down you know it could be it, it could be a year you know different than that than the Bruins have been used to lately well we're going to take down we're going to run with it because we love to hear that we are a playoff team and we have all of the pieces <laughs> that should should get us there so you know we got high hopes and I love that prediction yeah, and if we're not too, if you're not well, too up to your eyeballs eight months from now, we'd love that check in with you. Well, let's, I, you know, look, I, I, I'd be happy to do it. Let's, I, from a selfish perspective, I mean, I want them to make the playoffs. Uh, I, I always have this thing that I say: the worst thing you can be is a mediocre team, though, for an extended period of time. Okay, and I mean, you know, that team that, you know, barely makes it, but you know, whatever. But I, this year. I feel like if this team can find a way to get into the playoffs, I'm okay with that this year. Again, with the whole Bergeron and Marchand and yeah. older, you know, a few other players. Like, let's, you know, let's see that. Um, but you can't have that. You know, you don't want to be that consistently all the time, right? You want to, You, I, I have the philosophy of you want to be either one of the best, or you're doing certain things that mean sometimes you have to take a step back to go and get two steps forward again. Yeah. So, and the last thing I wanted to to talk to you about before we let you go here is uh, is your your morning brew podcast because I know that I you know I really enjoy listening to it after games and I hope that the people that are listening to this podcast as well um, if they don't listen to it already that they check it out. But are you guys going to continue to do that this season? Uh, the plan is yes to do it. Okay. It will not be uh, – we don't have the structure, though, for it yet, and we're trying to get to that. It's based on – we're waiting for schedules and this, for both of us and, and everything because it, it, we, we cannot we, – we will not be able to do an 82-game schedule. Yeah. We just can't. Right. Physically, we can't do it. So we're, what we're debating now is what is the best way to deliver the product? Is it just to say, look, we're going to do these 60 games or 55 or 60 games 
the best we can, or we're going to do shows twice a week uh, type of thing. Um, the plan is to, yes, is to do Morning Brew again. How it gets delivered, I can't answer that just yet. And unfortunately, it took a while for the national TV schedule to come out. We're still waiting for certain things with Razor and my schedule to, to flash, up, flash out. So, again, it's an answer that we want to, we expect to, we just don't know how it's going to come across. But we had, we ended up having a great following. People were very receptive to it, very encouraging about it. And um, we ended up starting to do some nice numbers with it and everything. And I know we'd both like to be able to do it again. Yeah, I really hope you guys do because I love listening to it. And, you know, for all you guys listening, if you want to listen to two fans who know nothing about anything, you can listen to us. And then if you want the expert opinions, you can listen to Morning Brew uh, with with Billy Jaffe and, and uh, Andrew Raycroft. And I really hope that you do and you check it out because it's, it's a great time and... Uh, you know, it, it's really cool to get that sort of opinion that for, from people who are connected to the team and, and the broadcasting and all of that. So I look forward well, to that's it. that's our goal. Yeah, that, that was our goal. So we're looking forward to doing that more. So yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Continued success with everything. And, um, you know, we'll catch up again down the road, okay? Yeah, thank that's you great. so much. We really appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Hey right, Billy, care, if 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 Yale didn't happen though, you know maybe you wouldn't be here right now. So you know it's not <laughs> it's not fully on me. That's a good point. I'd probably be a lot smarter doing some other job with a lot more job security and maybe even you know <laughs> you know having having other stuff. I know. Go go figure. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. 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 That's funny. All yeah, right. Thanks, I'm, guys. I'm glad Take you are care. where you are, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. You got it. Take care. Me too. Was it all?